Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we gather together this morning, I pray that we can be an encouragement to one another. I pray that we can encourage each other to be reminded of who you are and what you have done for us as God has authored salvation. Jesus has carried out his order on the cross and the Holy Spirit teaches us this truth, Lord. I pray that we can remind one another here. We can be a church that can go out into our community and share that truth with others. I pray these things in the name of Jesus who makes all of this possible. Amen. We're in our sermon series, Testing Our Assurance. It's in the book of 1 John, and what we want to be reminded of is this, and it's very simple. Once we come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, once we come to that saving faith in Him, our salvation is guaranteed. We do not preach or teach here at Villas Grace Church that you can lose your salvation. Have you ever made a bad decision only to regret that decision later in life? Has anybody in here ever done that before? <laughs> Obviously, our, our boy here on the screen, George Washington, made a horribly bad decision. I mean, who in their right mind would rock that haircut? Right. <laughs> My grandmother, her name was Millie, Mildred Kerner. And we called her grandma growing up, but then when she had great-grandchildren... They started to call her Mimi. And one time I had a $1 bill and I showed it to Leighton and Reese when they were much younger. And I said, do you know who's on this $1 bill? Because I wanted to test my son's ability to be a history buff. He looks at the $1 bill and he says, Dad, that's Mimi. <laughs> yes, George Washington and my Mimi had the same haircut. But have you ever made a good decision only to think it was originally bad from the outset? See, there's a story about our man here, George Washington, the first president of the United States. When he was 15 years old, his older brother warranted him a commission to become a midshipman in the British Royal Navy. And yes, I did say British Royal Navy. Our first president could have been part of the Redcoats. But right before his departure into the British Royal Navy as a midshipman, a message was brought to him from his mother. See, he was only 15 years old, and his mom sent a message to George saying, return home immediately. Though his heart was originally determined to join, he obeyed his mother's wishes. How many of you mothers wished your sons operated the same way? I see some hands going up. See, George was forced to go back to school. He was forced to go back to do things that he didn't want to do. Study history. Mathematics, his arithmetic. He didn't want to do these things. But in appreciation for him doing so, his mother gave him a small knife. And the knife had the inscription on it, Always obey your superiors. Could you imagine American history if George had become a midshipman in the British Royal Navy? 
would we even have in an American history? Would any of us really be sitting here right now hearing the tale of George Washington's obedience? So again, have you ever made a bad decision only to regret that decision later in life? Or have you made a good decision only to think that it was originally bad to make? The title for our sermon this morning is Desire to Obey. Desire to Obey. We're going to be in 1 John. You can join me in your Bibles. If not, the verses will be on the screen. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. See, last week we need to remember that we learned that Jesus defends us from God's holy just punishment. We learn that Jesus is our advocate. He's our defender. We realize that Jesus has defended us as we didn't have to serve the punishment that we deserved. He served that punishment for us. Jesus was separated from God, which means he was separated from himself. Nobody has ever experienced being separated from God because even an atheist, even those who do not believe that God exists, that God is the creator, sustainer of the world, even though they don't believe in him, they still have yet to be separated from him as long as they walk this earth. And we understood from last week that God is pleased with us, not because of what we have done, no. God is pleased with us because Jesus defended us through his work on the cross. So this morning we continue in 1 John Chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, in our sermon titled, Desire to Obey. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Amen. When we look at these verses this morning, we will put them into this one sentence to simplify what is being said here by John. This is what John is saying. He's saying, those who know the Lord desire to obey him. Those who know the Lord desire to obey obey him. So the question we want to ask is this, if we're applying this to our own lives, how can we obey the Lord daily? How can we obey the Lord each and every day? We can obey him by living like we are saved. It's that simple. We can obey the Lord daily by living like we are saved. The heart versus the brain, just like you see it on the screen. Not quite as simple, though. Think about your heart compared to your brain. Is it better to know something mentally, psychologically, or is it better to know something by heart? Have you ever heard of the fight or flight? You know, when there's danger, you go into that mode, fight or flight. Where do you think that decision's made? See, most of us would probably say, and I would have assumed that if I was put into a situation where I was either going to stand my ground and fight or flight and flee for my life, that decision would be made mentally. 
That decision is made in the heart. The heart is rather amazing. See, it has over 40,000 sensory neurons sending signals to the brain. The heart actually communicates more to the brain than the brain does the heart. Kind of sounds like my relationship with hope, with hope being the heart. Her maiden name was Heart, by the way. Hope, rejoice, heart. Now it's hope, rejoice, Niemeyer. If you guys can spell Niemeyer without looking at it, I totally butchered that and ruined it for her. Did you know that the heart has more electrical activity than the brain? The activity of one person's heart can be measured in brain waves of another person's brain. That's crazy. The activity of the heart can be measured in brain waves. And this can happen either by touch or even if the person is standing a few feet away from the other person's heart. So allow me to ask this question again. Would you rather know information mentally or would you rather know information physically in your heart? And then the more important question is this. As you realize how powerful your heart is and what it's capable of doing, how it's capable of communicating even more so to your brain than your brain is to your heart. Would you rather know Jesus mentally or would you rather know Jesus in your heart? Let's look at verses 3 and 4. And by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Remember, we cannot forget that the overarching theme of 1 John is a test of our assurance of salvation. A few weeks ago, Pastor Jared reminded us that we can know that our salvation is assured if we know that our confession leads to forgiveness. Today, we're seeing how the physical act of obedience reveals our assurance of salvation. So, Who's the driving force behind our obedience to God? Who is it that motivates us to, as it says here, keep his commandments? Is it you? Do you think that you are the driving force to keep the commandments of the Lord? Are you the one motivating yourself to obey the Lord? I would hope not. In fact, if you think that you're the one motivating yourself to obey the Lord, you are in trouble. See, our external behavior is energized from an inner motivating factor. Do you know what we call this inner motivating factor? Do you know where this motivator himself calls home? This motivator calls your heart home. Do you know who this motivator is? The Holy Spirit. And, and remember, the Holy Spirit is not an it. So many people think that the Holy Spirit is an it. The Holy Spirit is a member, a person in the Trinity. He is a he. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And the moment you place your faith in Jesus, the Spirit himself takes up residence in your heart. And with that being said, allow me to ask, where do you think your morals come from? 
Where do you think your morals come from? The same place that your motivation to follow the Lord's command? Do you think it comes from the same place yourself? No. Your morals come from your heart. How do we know that this is true? See, we know this, this is true because the Holy Spirit himself places your morals there. But they're not even your morals. They're the Lord's morals. He places the morals of God in your heart. All morals are created by God and all morals are based on truth. Do you know what happens if we had no morals at all based on truth? Do you know what would happen if it was all about our moral perspective on a situation? See, we'd be lost in relativism. And and what that means is this. We would basically be saying, hey, what's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. We may not see things the same way, but I'm going to look at it from the perspective of what's good for me. But sometimes when we allow God and his truth to take up residence in our heart because the Holy Spirit is there placing his morals, we're going to not say what's good for me is good for me because sometimes what we think isn't good for us really is good for us. So this is why John writes, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Do you know what this is saying? John saying our desire to obey does not stand on our own personal moral high ground. That's what this is saying. Our desire to obey comes from the morals developed by God through his Holy Spirit in our heart. After all, all morals are limited to a psychological development, aren't they? If these are our morals, they're limited. Our morals can't go beyond our own personal psychological development. And I don't know about you, but speaking about my own brain, I'm coming up short. I'm rather limited. See, God's morals are unlimited, placed in a more powerful heart, right? Because we know the heart's more powerful than the brain. Our morals are in the brain. His morals are in our heart. Do you recognize what's going on here? Do you see what's really going on here? See, John's talking about two types of people. He's talking about those who only know Jesus mentally versus those who know Jesus physically, who have come to know him, he says. Where? In their heart. Now, those who know Jesus mentally and and those who know him intimately have one thing in common. Think about what that one thing in common is. See, it doesn't matter if you know Jesus from a mental perspective or if you know him as your savior from a physical perspective. There's one thing that both people have in common. And this is a relief. Neither one can perfectly keep God's commandments. Neither one. So who's the liar then? Because we're being told that one's a liar. And if neither one can perfectly keep God's commandments, there's got to be a liar. Because sometimes when we read these verses, we think to ourselves, I'm not a very good Christian, am I? I'm not keeping God's commandments all the time. Maybe I'm the liar. I know some of you right now are sitting there thinking that. Who's the liar? 
What does John say? He says, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. The liar is the one who refuses to do exactly what Pastor Jared walked us through a few weeks ago. The liar is the one who refuses to confess their sin. That's the difference. Why would a liar refuse to confess their sin? See, a liar would refuse to confess because they've decided their own morals. They've decided what's wrong and what's right based on their own terms. Life according to them. What's good for them is good for them. What's good for you is good for you. That's the liar. However, the one who confesses their sin understands that the moral code in which they choose to obey is not their own. So how does all of this work? It works like this, and we're talking about confession. We sin, the Holy Spirit convicts us. We confess, we are then forgiven, which leads to freedom, which in turn produces a desire to obey. This is how we live like we're saved. So I'm asking you the question. Ask yourself the question. I'm asking me the question. What is your desire? What is your desire? Are you obeying the moral code in which you've created? Or do you desire to learn? And that's the key word. Do you desire to learn how to obey the morals of God placed in your heart by His Holy Spirit? When we desire to learn how to obey God, again, we're living like we're saved. If you think you've arrived, if you think you can't learn from somebody else, you're not living like you're saved. We can never stop learning. This isn't about being perfect. This is about having the desire to obey God. Which is why we're saying this this morning. Those who know the Lord desire to obey Him. Because those who know the Lord know they have a lot to learn. It's not the action as much as it is the motivation from the Holy Spirit to want to learn how to obey Him better. And I hope in my own personal walk that I'm learning to obey Him better today than I did yesterday. And my hope is that I learn more for tomorrow. And we're asking this question. How can we obey the Lord daily? By living like we're saved. Do you know what flag this is? This is the flag that might have been flying high in this land on a flag stand. This is the flag of British America. What if Jesus hadn't obeyed his father? You ever thought about that? When, when Jesus in the Gospel of Luke is recorded as saying, Father, this is as he knows he's supposed to go to the cross and die for our sins. Jesus prays to God saying, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Complete obedience. But what if Jesus had chosen not to obey his Father? See, if he would have chosen not to, then we would now know that obedience does not lead to freedom. But because Jesus obeyed, obedience leads to freedom. And unfortunately, we think freedom is doing whatever it is our hearts desire. 
That's what we think freedom is sometimes. When you don't know Jesus, that's how you view freedom. Remember, George Washington's obedience led to the birth of a free nation, didn't it? The obedience of Jesus leads to the freedom of his everlasting kingdom. See, Washington's obedience led to the victory over the British. The obedience of Jesus led to our victory over death. We're free to have hope in a future now. We're free to obediently walk as Jesus walked. We're free to live out our salvation in order for God to use us to advance His kingdom. Verse 5 and 6 spell this out for us. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. See, verse 5 clearly has everything to do with the assurance of our salvation. When you read verse 5, if you know that you have a saving faith in Jesus, be confident that it is guaranteed. It's like John is saying, so you're unsure if you're saved, well, whoever desires then, if you're unsure, his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. You may be sitting here today questioning whether or not your salvation is the real deal. Seriously. You may be sitting here right now. You may have been consistently coming here are going to a church for a number of years, and you still question whether or not you're saved. If you are, again, let me ask this question. What's your desire? This isn't about perfection. Wait, according to you. See, we're confident because it's about the perfection of Jesus. That's where our faith is. And if your desire is to obey the Lord because you know that it's Jesus' perfect sacrificial death for sin, be guaranteed that you are saved. At age 15, George Washington was clearly listening to himself, though, wasn't he? He wasn't obeying anybody but George. He was going to join the British Royal Navy as a midshipman. But however... However, he had a desire to obey his mother, didn't he? Some of you may have been getting off track in your life a little bit. Getting on, getting off, a few steps forward, a few steps back. You might be realizing that this morning that you've been obeying your own moral code. You, you think what's right and wrong in life is according to what you think is right and wrong because of your experiences you might be realizing that your behavior has been a reflection of this recently. And if so, it's okay. It's okay. As long as you know that your true desire is to obey God's morals, it's okay. If you truly desire to obey God's commandments. Now, what's the main objective of these four verses that we're looking at this morning? You have the second two on the screen now, but what's the main objective of these four verses? Let's read verse 6 again before we answer that question, though. I want to read verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So what's the main objective? 
the same main objective as to why you've been left behind and Jesus is going to come back for us. Same objective. See, look where it says this. Walk in the same way in which he walked. I want to ask Mike and Zara to come up here as I answer this question. What happens when we desire to walk like Jesus? What happens? See, when we desire to walk like Jesus, people hear the good news and get saved. That's what happens. Church, do you want to be used to advance God's kingdom? Do you want to represent a desire to obey God's moral code? Think about George Washington's obedience and how it was used to establish a free nation. Now think about how much greater God's kingdom is. This nation's not going to last forever. It's terminal. God's kingdom lasts forever. The history books might have the name George Washington written in them. However, those books one day will perish. The book of life contains names of individuals who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. The book of life goes on forever. So whose role is greater? Whose role is greater? See, when we have a desire to obey God's commands, we put our hearts on display. And when our powerful hearts are on display, they reveal the work of the Holy Spirit, how powerful He is, how all-knowing He is. And when people see us living free in Him, they're being primed to hear about Jesus. So stop thinking that you can't do what it is that you have been gifted to do as someone who has faith in Jesus Christ. You have been gifted. Every last one of us can play a role. And all of our roles are different. None of them are the same. Church, let's have a tremendous desire together to obey the Lord in order to share our Savior with others. Because we know those who know the Lord desire to obey Him. And we know that we can obey Him daily by living like we are saved. It's all about our desire. And when people see that, they see Jesus. They don't see us. They see Him and His work. And His work is everlasting. Lord, thank You for Your work. It is because of You that we have freedom. We have hope of a future, Lord. I, I just pray that we can continue to be a church that encourages each other in that. I pray that you use Villa's Grace Church to bring people to a saving faith in what you have done for us upon the cross. We pray all of this in His name, Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com. 